1: It is a Monday, and we know a couple things for sure. ETSU women's basketball is the three seed. ETSU men's basketball the five seed. Actually, we know all the seeds. No, we know all the seeds.
0: We know all. We tell all. We complain about all.
1: We laid down a couple of things that would lay out a path for ETSU to get the five. It was one path, and then we also told you many ways ETSU women's basketball could finish. Anywhere from uh, two to five or six or whatever the heck it was. And then ETSU, uh, it was all taken away pretty quickly when Wofford beat Mercer on the women's side, which meant pretty much if ETSU could win, they would be a three-seed. Uh, Chattanooga won, so that pretty much locked it in if ETSU could beat West Carolina. But it wasn't that easy as ETSU had to go an uh, mm-hmm. overtime or two or whatever it was uh, to get to that. And I'm upset because I didn't get a chance to watch that at Fallen Life Stats. I don't know why. Uh, I don't want to throw my provider under the bus, but I was very upset because I was trying to watch the end of the game. By the time I got home and tried to hang some stuff my wife asked me to do in my daughter's room, I was like, great, now I can check in on the game. It was already into uh, regulation, getting ready to start the first overtime, and then from there through the end of it, I couldn't get to watch it, so I just had to follow live stats, and eventually I went back to Twitter to watch some of the shots that were incredible, and uh, you, I think you called it. You said it could be dangerous – for Western Carolina, their last game, you know, maybe if Allison got kind of hot on Senior Day, some other things. I don't know that I saw Western being able to score as many points. I, as they did. I did
0: not see as many shots going. That was just the planets aligned, and and they've kind of aligned on this team in general. I don't know if it's like the Harvest Moon or, or what's the, what the deal is that's causing this. But the Bucks have been in a really weird funk the last two games, or um, where where just. Bad luck befalls them. Now they kind of created their own bad luck against UNCG, Right? They were tied, but Western Carolina just players that normally shoot twenty eight percent were just not missing. I I don't know. I never. I don't know that we'll see that in the uh, SoCon tournament when they take on Wofford. But also, I would love to see that in the SoCon tournament when they take on Wofford because I'll have you re- rem- have to remind our audience: Western Carolina beat Wofford this year. That is one of Western Carolina's two conference wins this season is against the regular season champion. So something preposterous is going to happen in Nashville this weekend on the women's side and on the men's side as well.
1: Uh, They also beat the the two seed. Their big wins were the one and two seed. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Out of all the things you thought you could count on, uh, that was one of them. And then Furman's only two wins was just against Western Carolina. That being said, ETSU is on the side of the bracket that I kind of didn't want just because, obviously, I thought if ETSU could get on Wofford's side because they've just dominated them in two games. And if they could get there, that would be the matchup that I would be pulling for. And I said two wins. I forgot that Furman routed Sanford, who is just all kinds of problems right now. And we can talk about that more on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the that the team tournament. is
0: in, that team's in rough shape right now. But that could also just be... They knew that they were going to have to go the hard way through the conference tournament, and they kind of packed it in for the regular season and just wanted to save something for the tournament. Now, that's not really a good way to approach it, right, because you can build some bad habits that way. But also, and Andrea Bailey's been banged up, and there's a lot going on with that Sanford team that ETSU is going to play in the first round.
1: All right, so on the women's side, you probably know by now, but just in case, the first game, 11 a.m., will be number 1 Wofford versus number 8 West Carolina. Approximately <laughs> 115 and 130 range will be The four and five game, UNCG. The four Mercer. The five. Then the three thirty slash three forty five slash four o'clock tip time will be number two Chattanooga against number seven Furman. And then the night cap anywhere between five forty five and midnight will be ETSU and Sanford. The three six game. There's no break (laughs) in between. So if it starts at six thirty ish, six forty five, just be warned that is. There's no. I don't know why they, they just. I don't know why it's so difficult to put the break in there, as they do. Maybe they feel like I not am going to be in there. I am going to be calling that game. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that's true. Uh, I don't know why they do it. it we're going to go on air, and I'm double checking with the radio station if we're going to be on 5:15 and just carry all the way through. But we'll we'll be there. It'd be the last game of the day, and ETSU will know at that point. Obviously, they want to win and uh, advance against Sanford, but then they'll know obviously who the next matchup would be. That would be. One fifteen game for them on Friday, and of course championship game on Sunday high noon. So that's the schedule and the brackets for the women. Other than your hatred of the Wofford Terriers, any (laughs) shocks in the seeds or anything that kind of played out in where the standings are right now? From what we talked about last week, I guess not. Yeah, not really.
0: Not really. Uh, Nothing stunned me about it. Obviously, very disappointed that ETSU finished third. Uh, in the conference instead of second, because I feel like one and two have very similar paths. Nobody's won it from lower than two since 2015 when the conference alignment shifted. You know, all that stuff is is going to play a factor, right? But in terms of overall, especially once Thursday's games played out, it was fairly clear what we were headed for. And no, I I'm not can't say I'm just stunned by any of these outcomes. I will say, I mean, for Sanford to start, what they were five and oh to start socon play and they finished seven and seven was it was
1: it seven and seven yeah no they're seven and seven you're correct on that. that's
0: i'm trying to see if they won the first
1: five or first six
0: but that's also something that kind of you could see brewing you could see that coming from a ways off and uh they started what was it was it four and oh one two
1: three four and oh and then
0: lost to Mercer. So they, so won, five, they started 5-1. They and one. I'll
1: give you one better. They were 7-2 and s- seven and, two and lost 5-0. Lost row, 5 right? straight. To, yeah, 5 yeah, And Ooh. And
0: they did not look Ooh. good in pretty much any of them. So that's maybe a little bit shocking. But otherwise, uh, I would say no. No, not really. I mean, who even was the preseason favorite? It was Mercer, I think. Yes, Mercer. Uh, and so Mercer... Once uh, Neil Tyser went down for a little bit, you're like, okay, well, this team's now out of sync, and they lost a big rebounding presence in some of Evans, and now you're like, okay, well, what happens? ETSU went down there one by 16. Okay, well, what's this What's this going to look like? It, nobody's out of reach anybody. Uh, I think it was a little bit more wide open than I anticipated it being at the beginning of the year, but in terms of what we talked about last week, Going into the seating, the final day of the seating picture, nothing really stood out as a surprise.
1: All right. So that's the women's side of things. Take a look at the men, and we'll go over some results here in a second. But it was kind of early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Furman was the early game. They just wore out Sanford. And we'll talk about that in a second. But they wrap up the number one seed. By virtue of that, Sanford the two, UNCG was playing for a share of the title, even though they knew they would be the three seats. They still yep. end up in the same spot with the loss to ETSU. And, again, we're going to talk about that in a second on the men's side. We'll go. Over, we'll do it reverse style here uh, for the men. We'll talk about the seedings and get into some games. But uh, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. I put Western was locked into the four before the day started. ETSU yes. knew they had to win two, did that, held serve at home. So after, let's be honest, an abysmal start at home, setting a, a, a new low really with eight straight consecutive home losses. They rattled off four in a row at home in February to finish off the the campaign. I thought the crowd was
0: tremendous oh, was awesome. again.
1: Tremendous crowd.
0: Was, uh, what was the final number was uh, it was over 3600, wasn't it? For the fi- for the final home game of the year. Yeah, 3652. And just loud and energetic every bit of it, I mean, it was it was awesome. We had, we had a great time. At that game. Just a great atmosphere. It felt like a tournament game. That was that
1: kind of intensity. It was great. We've had a knack seeing outstanding last game, senior day type deals. If you remember, there was the... The G-Lon Gwynn got a win, and he's celebrating over on the scores table. And A.J. Merriweather's kissing the E. We got a good picture of that. Then, of course, Pat Good will live in infamy for the huge second half he had with all the threes against Western Carolina. And then yeah. this one, obviously not as much riding on the line as far as conference championships and stuff, but it had still all that dramatic pieces to it and a shorthanded at ETSU. And the one thing I'll say is Josh Taylor, that whenever Man. he's in there – they look different, whether it's the not just defensively and rebounding, but the energy level and offensively. Even though he didn't touch the ball a lot, there seemed to be more ball movement on the offensive end. I thought it was maybe when they had the 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 all the players, they look different. Maybe it's just Josh Taylor's been the key, and they're four and zero when he's played start to finish because he started a game and obviously the wrist injury against Mercury played like two three plays or trips down the floor, I guess I should say. But they're four and zero when he's played. Games and it's it's a game changer and I think it's going to help and we'll talk about matchups again on Wednesday but I think that's really going to be helpful with a team against Western Carolina to have him defensively with some long uh, arms the length that he provides the blocking shots yeah get him on on Woolbright what that I mean there's a lot we could talk about on the breakdown on Wednesday and we'll we'll talk about both teams. Wednesday on the matchups we'll go over our gripes once the uh, all-conference teams and I, I'm i not one of those guys that doesn't share uh, my all-conference team I will bring my list in when I go over there what I agree with what I don't agree with and you know there's always some some things and I don't get too fired up over that as some people do but we'll go over that Wednesday go over the breakdown but I just think Josh Taylor what he's been able to do and with him being able to get back if you get Brock Jancic back I don't know his status I don't know Alan Struthers' status on the on the concussion side of the things. Yeah. yeah, Tipler was ill. Mm-hmm. I know people mm-hmm. asked me in quotations, "Was he ill?" He was ill. He had a stomach thing and a migraine, and so he should, I'm assuming, be back with the team unless it's something that uh, progressed beyond like a bug of some kind. He has something else. I would assume he's back with the team, but that was not a. Uh, cover up or whatever i felt like people were were doing because i because coaching went out of the way say hey get this out there so people know like you know he was set to go his parents were in attendance you know he was going to be honored he was going to walk on senior day and then he was
0: just he just woke up and he wasn't feeling good and they sent him home to rest Like just go rest feel better you don't do any good for us if you have to come off the floor and puke your guts out after five minutes
1: so. so, yeah. The rest of the seating, real quick. <laughs> Wofford, the six. Chattanooga, virtue losing to Wofford, which is good. EtSU won because EtSU would have been the five or the seven. There was no chance of the six of Wofford winning. Chattanooga, which looks like Jake Stevens from uh, my sources, he is not going to go and will be out the rest of the tournament. Mm. So, unfortunately for Jake and Chattanooga, they will go life without Chattanooga. They play VMI, which they won by like a thousand against v- no, they'll VMI. They'll be VMI fine the against day. VMI. And well, then- I, I say that. VMI I mean, did just beat Wofford. I mean, you never know. And then Mercer and the Citadel, where the Citadel had to play without Ash, um, they're who, they're done. Yeah, if, that, with, isn't if playing, Ash is playing, going to roll in their toast. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. But we, again, we can give our predictions and our thoughts on the tournament on Wednesday. But that being said, did anything shock you from last week to where the seedings kind of fell?
0: Uh huh. Because
1: I'll say, noth- I don't think it shocked me. I think the way that Furman really handled Samford. They just destroyed them. I, I, and and yeah, that, and UNCG that was blew the second half lead, or Sanford did a great job. However you want to word that, it was either a heck of a comeback, or you blow, you know how it is, depending on which side of the fence you're on. But it, I thought, well, maybe maybe Sanford just has this knack for a second-half run, but Furman was having nothing of it. And oh, they just great.
0: destroyed it 14 threes, I think it was, and just kept reining them in all all day. Um, I, Bothwell, I think Bothwell might have sealed player of the year with that performance. Like, it was that kind of an effort to just beat the brakes off the other team that you were competing with for a conference title to get your way back into that conference title picture and share it. First shared conference championship since 2017, I believe, for the Southern Conference. It was ETSU and Wofford and somebody else. It uh, might have been UNCG. ECG, that
1: was the split. Yeah, I believe That I split, split
0: it that year. Uh, that year. And that's the first shared championship since that We've had an outright conference champion under the double round robin each of the last five years. And Furman earned it. They had to go on the road to Sanford's place. I believe that game was at Sanford, and they earned it. <sighs> They just absolutely smashed them. That was a little bit eye-catching. Seeing Chattanooga on Friday night is just weird because you typically expect Chattanooga to be pretty good, but they're on Friday night, which dramatically decreases their chances of making a run in the tournament. So... Uh, that that just looks weird. It's not. I mean, given the results, we knew it was a possibility. It was very possible, but it was. It just looks weird.
1: It was actually Furman. So it was ETSU, UNCG, and Furman. It was ETSU. Year. okay it was sorry, Furman, sorry. not
0: Wofford. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, no, I went with you for a second I about a uh, double. Well, checked. that was
0: that was Mike Young era Wofford. So I mean, they yeah, they were pretty some, good. Sure,
1: they were pretty good. But I, <laughs> but Sanford did a great. I, I mean, UNCG was watching the whole time because they're thinking, you know, Furman wins – even though they know if Furman wins they're going to be a three seed, still they were like, share of a conference championship. And they wanted that. You could tell that they weren't concerned about a two seed or a three seed. They wanted to share a conference championship. And then I did take a little pride in having to uh, be the one to kind of secretly fist pump when they didn't get it, right? Because, you know, I'm press where I'm not allowed to really – supposed to cheer or celebrate or whatever. But just excited (laughs) – that That's ETSU true. was able – and, again, it, it kind of a double whammy, right? ETSU needed to win to be the five because it was going to be a five or seven. They didn't know it was going to be that. But you took playing Friday off the table, and then you also got a chance to kind of ruin somebody else's season. And we've talked about my personality flaws, yeah. right? Winning what, on the road or ruining Were, were you
0: else. Were you excited, Jay? Were you excited? Yeah,
1: I, why would I not be?
0: Uh, I, okay, I, so this is this – is, I, I, I will say I think – you reflected the internal monologue of a lot of people. A
1: lot of people. Okay? So yeah, so you're bro. saying we're going to do one of these. Buckle up for Kobe Bryant! Kobe Bryant just took the gravity out of the
0: target center. What a pick! Five seconds left in the game. You believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? Okay, over Left
1: center
0: for Mitchell.
1: And we'll see you tomorrow.
0: High five. Nine, 42 home runs during the regular
1: season, and we are
0: going to Game Seven in the National League Championship Series. The man is out on the field. He's going to go into the dugout. He's fired. Okay, I did not realize how long. Oh, it's got
1: another one.
0: Versus Jays.
1: I need a shower.
0: <laughs> All right. Yes, this is what this is what we're going to do. I feel like you sprung
1: this on me. All right, what are we doing? Okay, so I was gonna
0: I was gonna get to this later. I was gonna get to this later, right? Um, UNCg comes down to a buzzer beater. Kobe Langley has a look at a three in the corner to win it. It does not go in. Correct. We all know this. Correct. We know this. Um, so there there are two di- very different angles on this particular moment. I think they are both valid, and they both reflect the emotions of the people watching this game. And I'm going to start. With, I'm going to start with mine. This is my call of the final sequence of ETSU and UNCG. Here's Atwell with five. Gives to Langley. Langley with two in the corner of three for the win. It's no good. And At ETSU, after so many heartbreaks and so many close calls on the final day of the season, survive a tight game, sixty-three
1: to sixty-two. All right,
0: I have I have said that this is. I, you know, I, I'm the kind of. Person that when it comes to like production pieces, when you really get it right, like you go back and you kind of like listen to it a few times. Like, yeah, that was really good. I like that little touch. I like that. I like that. I don't really do that with my play by play calls because I hate listening to myself. I've, I've listened to that one a few times. I've listened to that one a few times just because I want to make sure like, did I do this right? Did I get this right? Did I get the emotion, the tone of it right? And I think I did just the elation of the drama of a buzzer beater and the win, and then the crowd swelling behind it. Thought it was pretty good. This is our illustrious voice of the box.
1: Over to Langley. He'll throw it at midcourt to Atwell. Atwell back to Langley with four, with three. The skip pass, the shot in the corner to win it. and missed it. And ETSU finally got one. ETSU finally got one, and they are the five seed in the Southern Conference Tournament. Classic ComJ. Everyone's heard of Classic ComJ. Just deadpan. He missed it
0: deadpan like almost denny matthews levels of deadpan he missed it and etsu finally got one the it now is that what you would expect from a buzzer beater or a failed buzzer beater where your team is trying to hang on for dear life no but when you have been browbeaten and traumatized By buzzer beater after buzzer beater after buzzer beater after late game loss after late game loss. When Drew Pember caught the ball clear as day at the logo, fired it over Brock Jancic and UNC Asheville walked out of here with a win, creating a divergence of reality where he made versus missed that shot that we could talk about for months after the fact. You expect that shot to go in.
1: I think that's the fifth call this year with a buzzer beater to either tie, win, or lose a game. Like the final shot is either going to extend or you're a winner or loser. One of those things. And the first four did not go ETSU's way. No. Uh, So there was when I realized— You
0: did did get Wofford, right? Wofford didn't even get the shot off because Taylor stripped it.
1: It's true. There was no actual shot. Yes. And even that one was a confusion because I thought they called a foul. (laughs) See, that one wasn't a great one either because I lost it for a second because when the referee's hand went up, I thought he was going to call a foul, but he was actually signaling both hands the game was over. Mm. There was, you know, patting the ball or whatever they do to say that it was clean. And the shot that left the hand. When Langley had the clean – because that's a clean look. That was a very good look. That was not a contested – you know, Josh Taylor or Jalen Haynes or one of the big guys, or, you know, or even Jancic, who was on Pember on the play with a hand up in his face. Yep. I mean, this was a pretty clean in the corner look. And the way that everything had fallen and the way that ETSU had missed some free throws, got called for the travel, everything was like, this. they're, they're going to do it again. They're going mm-hmm. to rip our hearts out one more time. And clearly in my voice, <laughs> that was a beaten guy. It was
0: that, uh, you were beaten the moment the ball left his hand, and then
1: when it didn't was shocked, go in, right? It was numbness. Oh, we got one. <laughs> so we I, finally got one. There were a couple of fans that when each issue went up five and got fouled for one on one with Jalen Haynes, that felt good about it, I don't know why, but they felt good about it and left. And so yep. I had two separate fans send me messages, kind of like either we won. And that call, Laugh Out Loud, or that call, I felt it, Laugh Out Loud, or whatever. And I had no idea. Because, again, you're in the moment. You're just, yeah. you know, I, I black out during these things. I have no idea. People all the time, hey, do you ever work on what you're going to say? No, I have no idea. Zero, Zero. idea. Everything no. comes out, especially – We're not Jim involved. Nance. We don't do that. That's we don't right. script, script our final it out. That's right. We don't do that. And even if we could, I wouldn't read it right, so it wouldn't matter. I'd probably screw it up. So <laughs> that's the thing that they said that. And then finally – I heard it and I went oof, and so I sent both them the clip, and I was like, I don't, I don't understand what you're talking about there. And then they laughed and was like, No, clearly, um, you know, you you weren't feeling that. And I said, Well, I said, uh, you know, I just we've seen it all before. You know, I, I I was waiting for us to get beat on a miracle corner three, and they and both responded separately that they really don't know each other. Said we were all waiting for that, Jay. <laughs> so. so People felt the call. Yeah, people felt the call. You gave it. I think the the uh, supposed to be impartial, you know, ESPN three call that you gave it. It was going to be exciting, win or lose. I gave it from the ETSU perspective of, oh boy, we've seen enough of this this year. Yes, it you reflected the again. inner
0: monologue of ETSU fans in voice of the Bucs fashion.
1: It's very unlike me. I'm pretty excitable. I think we all know that.
0: Yes. Yes, we do.
1: And I actually went back and listened to a few. I listened to the Hairston miss, the Tipler miss, the Pember hit. And I'm trying to remember the other one. Uh, oh, the Moorhead, because that was like a couple seconds to get the,
0: Did you get the Seymour against Jacksonville State in there?
1: Oh, no, no. That one, too. Oh, I bet I was up for that one. That's another game you can throw on the list right at the horn, right? Yep. Wow. Well, and you got the block. Yeah, I'd have to go back. And, and the Taylor block, again, the two they want. Maybe I just need to go to confusion call because the two that – ETSU did win. The Taylor block was a confusion. Was it foul? No foul. And then I just need to be deadpan. And uh, there we go. Because normally I think people know they don't know what I say when we win. They just know that I'm excitable. So we won. And they probably had no idea. They probably they probably turned off the radio thinking we lost. That probably thought ETSU done. That, that's yeah, what actually, yeah, might have. You're like, oh, he just misspoke. We were, it's really over. We're, we're going the other way. I don't know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. That's a great question. Um, no, I, I thought it reflected the two. It, it was, it was the duality of man. It was the dichotomy of the moment, elation, excitement, drama. Oh, here we go again. Oh, oh, we got one. Finally,
1: we got one. Yeah. I think the finally got everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the one people are like, <laughs> you said finally, finally. And I was like, ah, I felt that. But you know, again, it's a way to end the home season i think winning four in a row people starting again i there are a little bit of wins and losses do dictate sometimes not just how you perceive but the mm-hmm. attendance and some other things and for students i think that's another thing as you win they will come right uh, and you build a winner they'll come you don't have yep. to feel to dream it but basically something similar to that and
0: yeah, I think, and I think I mean, we we talked about this a little bit in a meeting this morning. It's different between football and basketball. Football is a sport where if you create a good atmosphere, like UMass gets phenomenal student turnout because the they have some of the best dining services in the country, and you you can pay for a basically like a full meal with the same card you pay for your meal plan with during the school week when you come to a football game. And you essentially get that food for free. So like they that that creates a great atmosphere. Like people come out, it's a big part of the social life of campus. I think football is one of those that it can be the big event. With basketball, the students really come out when you gotta win or when you win. Right? You you're gonna get students to to be out there and be loud and be rowdy when the team is a noisemaker in your conference. And You know it's been kind of an uneven year for this group and they lost a lot of games in a row at home eight in a row at home that hurts Uh, but if you see this team start to turn it around the the kids notice and it it is a situation where like you said if you build it they will come but um yeah football basketball can be very different in that respect and and it's basketball turnout can be a little bit more fickle as a result we they, this is not anything new this is going back to the this is going back to murray's days as the head coach that that there has been uh ups and downs in, in student turnout and i think we know why it's ob- i think it's clear why is if the team's rattling off a bunch of wins if the team's good they know the team's good if they're not that good or they're not rattling off a bunch of wins i think this team's pretty talented i don't know that it's been success hasn't been successful you know on wins and losses and that's what people look at they don't look at how talented is your team they look at is your team winning games and if they're winning the kids show up and they're rowdy and they're awesome and they're fun but even with student turnout that's been kind of scattershot etsu led the southern conference in attendance in men's basketball this year
1: best fans of the conference
0: Absolutely. It's
1: a moniker and that you're gonna uh, you can't uh, take away.
0: And you're gonna see it in Asheville. No pressure, guys. No pressure.
1: I'm thinking, by the way, just going back and double checking something, that Furman has to be a static to get the one. So twenty seventeen they were the uh two seed and yep. got, got beat by the seven. Sanford. Yeah. In, what was it, 18, they were the um, three-seed, and Uh and they got got to the semis. In 2019, they were the three-seed and got to the semifinals. See, so they're doing well, doing well. Three-seed, rocking and rolling. In 2020, they were the two-seed, lost to the seven-seed Wofford Terriers. And then in 21, they were the three-seed and lost to VMI. So – they need to get to the one. Now, they did kick it last year because they were the two. They got to the title game. Of course, they got beat by a miracle shot by David Jean Baptiste. Maybe not a miracle shot, but certainly a tough shot to uh, knock them off in overtime. But it seems like if Furman can get past the first game, then they can get to the championship game. But that's always been around the two or the three. I wonder playing as the one seed. They haven't been the one seed in quite some time. I'm curious to see, because Mercer, who likes to make things, as ETSU fans know quite a bit, a little bit of a fight in a phone booth type deal. Yep. And they want to muck it up, and they want to to grab, they want to pull. They certainly was a physical game against Furman in Greenville, South Carolina, not too long ago, which was a three-point win for Furman. And I think Furman's going to roll the Citadel because no Ash. And I'll be curious to see that matchup. And then also, I think – Sanford could get Chattanooga, which isn't, you know, if they get one game under their belt, because I think Chattanooga will beat VMI, and they get a bunch of shots to go down, there is a disadvantage, I I could say, for the 1-8 because we've seen it before. We've seen the teams that play the night before that just happen to catch lightning in a bottle and get bonkers continue the hot shooting less than 24 hours a day. Now, it's not common, except for the Southern Conference Tournament. There's are the, this we've seen two seven seeds get to the championship game. We've seen a ten seed get to a championship game. Yep. So there has been a lot of people talking about. Well, what should they do? Should they give, you know, uh, an extra buy or or what? What can they do? That some tournaments have been creative. Now I'm not a huge fan of I guess what the OVC went to and the West Coast Conference. You know, you
0: don't like the West Coast Gauntlet.
1: Uh I no and I think OBC did that not too long ago too. They might have. Where, where the 1 2s just sit there while everybody plays and plays and plays and plays. So and they're it, trying yeah, to protect yeah. the 1 and 2 seed. Not, and I get that. I don't know I like that setup as much. I could see maybe the double like the ACC like the double buy if you could figure it out or something. But but uh, sit there just for the semi and the championship game. Yeah, because they have 10 teams right? So they have the 7 10 8 9 will play and then they'll play the 5 6 and then the winners of that will play the 3 4s. and then the winner of that will play the 1 2s right and that's similar so yeah
0: so the 8 the 7 10 and the 8 9 play on the first night and if you win that game you advance and the winner of the 8 9 plays the 5 and the winner of the 7 10 plays the 6 and the winner of the 8 9 5 game plays the 4 and the winner of the 6-7-10 uh, game plays the 3. And then those the winner of those games play the 1 and the 2 in the semifinals. Which I don't hate, to be honest with you, from a mid-major perspective of this is a one-bid league and we need to put our best foot forward. So we want the teams that put in the best regular season to have a clear and decisive advantage. I get it uh, from a mid-major perspective. I think it is effective in getting the best representative possible to the NCAA tournament. And if you're a team like a Gonzaga or a St. Mary's, which in this case are the one and the two, then you have fewer opportunities to compromise your seeding resume, right? Teams in teams on the bubble in the ACC need those extra games. They need those first couple days of the 16-12 game or whatever they play, those garbage games that nobody watches at 11 a.m. on a Tuesday. They need those games in order to improve their resumes, to give themselves chances to elevate a team or two over the hump into the field. Gonzaga and St. Mary's don't. They don't need those games, and they don't need to be playing. They have nothing to prove against BYU and San Francisco. So if you are thinking about this from the perspective of let's get our best team to the NCAA tournament, that is the vehicle that the conference tournament is for, then that's a good way to do it. Personally, I am still a fan of the traditional eight teams quarter semi-championship. And everybody is the same at that point. But I would also go one step further, and I would say your tournament should only be eight teams. Your tournament, Nick, if you're the nine and you're the 10, and you went two and 16, what do you accomplish by going to the SoCon tournament? What What does that accomplish... the SOCON? Does it really give them that much extra revenue? Like, is there a TV payout that's involved? Is it... uh, Uh,
1: Yeah,
0: $16,000 of tickets They make the schools buy. Yeah. That's what I'm assuming. Now, I would assume that's pretty much it. I would assume that's pretty much all that there is in terms of benefit. So, from a competition standpoint, there's not really anything to it and I don't see a... I don't really see a need for it you know, make teams earn their way into your conference tournament instead of just being there be, by the accident of being in your conference.
1: Going back to my thought on Furman being the one and, and having maybe a little bit disadvantaged disadvantage, but at the one, the last time the one seed lost, the true one seed, not a north one and south right, one or whatever, which goes back way, way, way. The last one seed to lose was 2006 Georgia Southern lost to number eight Appalachian State that year that was the last time a true number one had lost so for Furman I think the seven seeds have always kind of had the tie break lose to get to the seven as opposed to the eight nines and so I think the seven seeds have a little better quality caliber that maybe shouldn't have been in the plan and again could get kind of hot, and we've seen seven seeds knock yep. off. We've seen ten seeds knock off two seeds. So the two seed has the most loss in the quarterfinal of, of, of almost anything besides the threes and, I, you know, I guess four or fives. So I'd have to go back and look at that real closely. Mm-hmm. But the threes have won more than the twos. And the only reason I can think of that is maybe because the sevens do play a game. Maybe they do get a little hot. And, again, you know, for the two seeds, they haven't played with the environment yet, right? They haven't played with the way the game's going to be called. It's right. been a full week since they've been on the floor in game competition. I think they get off to a slow start, the ones and twos, and for whatever reason, been in my matchup of two. So I think this is big for Furman just because they're the one, but I would have said the same thing if it was Sanford. I think that's important because the ones have not really struggled. And going back and looking, there was a three point game somewhere between 2006 and there. But other than that, it's been pretty much double digits. Like they've been able to win, move on. Uh, go about your business. It was UNCG and the Citadel had a had a had kind of a tight game. That's where uh, Hayden Brown, Isaiah and Miller, I think, both got teed up. Or maybe it was Hayden Brown got teed up because he dunked on Miller. Anyway, it's one of those. Citadel gave him a little bit of fits. UNCG ended up going on to win, and they ended up winning the Commerce Championship. But it's been since 2006. That's a pretty good sample size of number ones that have been able to hold serve mm-hmm. uh, since that point. So I think that was big for Furman to get on that side of the bracket. And then for – ETSU, Western Carolina, they, you know, have pretty good crowds. Again, Western travels, or I don't even know if they travel, they just get out of bed and walk over the street or wherever mm-hmm. they all come from. But that'll be good atmosphere there. Mercer usually buses people up. So could be a fun Saturday if Mercer buses folks up. Then you got Furman and they're, you know, they got their fan base and th- their folks travel. So I think it's going to be a fun time in, in, in Asheville. And I would really love a good, solid ETSU Sunday where the women are in the championship game Sunday at noon and the men playing whoever it would be. Uh, and, and Furman Mercer, probably Furman, in the semifinal game at that four o'clock start time Sunday. And that would be what I would pull for. And I think it would be a great ETSU day because you can go watch the women, go across the street, grab some lunch, come right back in and watch the men. Yep. Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. All right, so we're going to break down uh, next show Wednesday. We're going to look at the men's and women's all-conference, the freshmen, the defensive, depending on for women, the defensive team, the defense player of the year on the men's side, coach of the year. Uh, We'll let you know who we voted for, give you our gripes, give it our concerns. And then we'll talk about ETSU's matchup uh, versus West Carolina on the men's side, and we'll talk about ETSU's matchup Thursday, versus the Sanford Bulldogs. We'll talk about all that uh, and more coming up uh, Wednesday, if you're all right with that.
0: Sounds good to me. Uh, Today is uh, International Pokemon Day. Did you know that?
1: No, but I probably need to tell my son.
0: Yeah, well, I'd be careful with it. But yeah, the Big Sky Conference used an AI generator to create a Pokemon for each of their schools. The results were uh, interesting. Some of them actually look fairly convincing. One of them is straight up just a shiny Teddy Ursa. Pokemon for ETSU, Gyarados. You know what Gyarados is? Giant flying blue, yellow, and white dragon. It's pretty awesome.
1: I just like the, the Snorlax. guy with that guy. Snorlax? I like it. Nice. Yeah, who doesn't
0: love a good Snorlax? I
1: do. Yeah.
0: That's, I, I, do, I eat and sleep, and that's all there is to absolutely. it. Absolutely. And occasionally punch something that annoys you.
1: Like you. Like you. All right. We'll be back. Janky. Don't punch anybody.
0: Oh, you got to be kidding me.